Good morning, everyone. Morning. Happy New Year to everybody. Welcome to church. It's so good to be here. Who's here on a New Year's resolution? Anyone? What a great place to be on the 1st of January. Um, I hope you all feel completely welcome. My name is Debbie, if you don't know me. That was Haley, who was up here just now. The kids know her really well. She's often in, well, she's in Kidsman almost every single week, and it's so good to have her um, on stage this morning. Um, you know, this morning I thought, I came in here with something that I thought was pretty cheesy, so I wasn't actually going to share it with anyone. And then when I shared it with people that I thought could just handle my cheesiness, um, they all thought it was really good. So I'm going to share it. I've been calling this year 2020 free. See what I did there, right? <laughs> I mean, is it, is it cheesy or is it not? 2020 free sounds a little bit like I have a speech impediment, but 2020 free, right? <laughs> so welcome to the 1st of January, 2020 free. And my prayers for hope and freedom and all good things that, um, that come with it. I love the beginning of something. I love um, the hope that it stirs in me. I love the anticipation that I have, even though it's just the transition is just from yesterday to today. Um, just the fact that it's a new year stirs that hope in me. And I, I really pray that um, you would also be filled with hope and possibility for what this year may hold for you. Um, Today we have titled the sermon One. It's not because Tyron was going to be the only worship person, the, you know, one. Then Glenn, you threw us off, you know. No, then it was two. We can't call it two. Um, it's also not because most of you arrived at one minute to ten. You know, when we started the service, I thought no one was going to be here, right? Anyway, um, it's because I have one question that I want to ask today. I want to pose a question and one answer that we want to explore and I really believe that if uh, we understand and digest this answer to the core of our souls, it has the potential to change the rest of 2023 and even beyond that. And so that is what we're going to look at this morning. Um, but first, let's just pray. So let me pray for us. God, thank you so much that you are a God who does new things and that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever, and yet you speak freshly and you do new things all the time and we thank you for that we thank you for newness newness and um, I pray that we would experience a fresh word from you today that you would speak into our hearts that we would hear from you and uh, thank you for this beautiful opportunity to be together and to just set up this year well in Jesus name amen amen so the question I have for you this morning is does God love me <laughs> great answer, great answer. You might also be thinking, is that it? Is that it? I came all the way to church on New Year's Day, and that's what you're putting in front of me. It is what I'm putting in front of you. I was saying to someone after the first service, so often the fundamentals um, or the things that should be at the core are often the things that we don't end up focusing on. We spend so much time focusing on all the peripheral things that actually if we focused, at what, we focused on what was at the core, those peripheral things would make much more sense. Does God love me? That's the question that we want to look at today um, and explore a little bit. So there's lots of different kinds of love. Uh, many of you know that. Um, I'm not going to speak about any of the different names for love. I just want to speak about two different kinds of love this morning. Um, the first one is the kind of love that loves because an object is valuable. So it looks at something and it loves it because the object holds value or the object is beautiful or the object is 
what you were expecting, whatever it is. So, so the love is based on what the object holds. Many of us love lots of things in this way. You know, you may love a new pair of shoes or a new watch or a car, something that you've saved up a lot of money for and you've spent money on it, which shows that it has value. And you love that thing because of the value that it holds. So that's one kind of love, the love that sits in the value of the object, right? Another kind of love is a love that has nothing to do with the object or the value of the object, but it rather has to do with what the person who loves brings to that object. So the object may be of no value, but the love brings value to that object. So let me explain that a little bit. Did anyone have a, a favorite cuddle toy when you were young? Like a little something fluffy that you slept with, I don't know. I used to have a little yellow blanket. It was one of those blankets that had the, the satin around the edges. I think many people in my generation had those ones. You know, I actually used to suck my thumb. I'm just telling you all my secrets. I used to suck my thumb and then rub it on my nose exactly like this. That was my favorite, right? That thing has disintegrated a long time ago. I don't know where it is. Um, but many of you might have a favorite cuddle toy, or you had had one. The thing about a cuddle toy is um, often they give a names. Um, I didn't give my blanket a name, I, not that I can remember, but often you'll name it. It holds a lot of value to the person who loves it, right? Um, often they're a little bit stinky, let's just be honest, because the child never wants that thing to be washed. Um, it smells a little bit. Often they've been damaged and mended and like the one eye is half falling off or the arm is hanging off. And I, you know what I'm picturing. All right. So my daughter Rayleigh has a favorite cuddle toy. It is called Friendy. That is it right there. She got it when she was born. It's a little like giraffe blanket thing. Those orange, it has orange arms that stick out. Um, it has a little orange nose, it has his ears, and then the rest of it is a blanket, all right? It's quite hard to tell it in that. It was a creamy, yellowy color, and it had orange, quite bright orange, very, very cute. Um, this is Friendy today. Uh, when I asked if I could please introduce Friendy to the church, she just said that we're welcome to, as long as she doesn't have to sleep without him. This is Friendy doesn't look anything like that beautiful thing in the picture. This has been loved to pieces, literally. So it has these arms, this, that's its arm there, that one, it's falling right off. Um, the stuffing is right out of it. It is, it's pretty gross, let's just be honest. Um, it has no head, look at that, it is a rag. It is a rag doll, its ears have fallen off, it has been fixed so many times, it's crazy. It actually one time was fixed with a bit of Barbie fabric um, and so the back of his head had Barbie on it for a season, but even that's worn off. This is Friendy. Broken, it has no value. In fact, if we had a jumble sale and sold everything in our house, this would be the very last thing to go. No one would want it. We would have to give it away as a rag. We would probably have to pay someone to take it, right? Absolutely no value in this thing. And yet, although Rayleigh is privileged enough to have numerous fluffy toys or little cuddly things, this is the one she loves the most. If she's allowed to take one thing with her somewhere, Friendy is the one that comes with us, right? And um, that's, that's Friendy. I'm just going to leave him there. It's a little bit gross. But anyway, he's not valuable at all. There's nothing valuable about him. We didn't pay a lot of money actually even when he looked nice, like in that picture. 
It's not a collector's item, most definitely not. It's not fancy, and yet Rayleigh loves him more than anything else. Why? Well, because he belongs to her, right? And she loves him. So he has no value, but because Rayleigh loves him, that's why. That's where the value lies. And you know, if we go back to the question that I was just asking, does God love me? Does God love me? That first kind of love, first kind of love where the object needs to be valuable. There's a problem when it comes to that question, what if I don't feel valuable? What if I don't feel like I've lived up to the expectation of someone, let alone God's expectation? What if I feel like I've failed? If, if love is based on the value that I hold, if I don't feel like I have value, I don't think I'll ever answer that question with a yes. However, the way that God loves us has got nothing to do with the value that we hold. The way that God loves us has to do with the value He gives us simply by loving us. We are flawed. We are broken. We are wounded. We are definitely not perfect. Well, I can speak for myself. God knows everything. He sees the scars He knows the hidden secrets, and yet he loves me because I am his. And that's where my value comes from, the fact that he loves me. So does God love me? Well, how do we know how much God loves us? He shows us. That's the answer. Romans chapter 5, verse 6 to 8 says, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. How do we know that God loves me? Well, not only does he tell me, but he shows me. He demonstrates it for us. While we were still sinners, while we had no value, in our imperfections, in fact, because of our imperfections, he came to save us. He came to rescue us, and he demonstrated his love for us. How do we know God loves us? He loves us because of who he is. 1 John tells us that God is Love. Loving is not what God does only, but it's who He is. And so He loves us out of His character, out of His nature, and He demonstrates it as 1 John 4. This is how God showed His love among us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. I believe today, on this 1st of January, I believe that God wants you to know that no matter what has been said about you in the past, no matter where you have fallen or failed, no matter where you are broken or what you said or did or didn't do or thought, I believe God wants you to know that you are the one that Jesus loves. You are the one that Jesus loves. I know this isn't news. 
for many of you. For some of you, you may have never heard this before. Or maybe you've heard it in a way that you believe it up here, but you've never really understood it or believed it in your heart. I want to invite everyone, wherever you stand, to, to listen and to hear this as if for the first time. To hear this as a new thing. To feel it in your soul like never before. You are the one Jesus loves. Maybe you want to even say that out loud. I am the one Jesus loves. Just say it under your breath. I am the one Jesus loves. He loves you with an unconditional and immeasurable love. This love doesn't look for an object that is worthy to love. It gives worth to whatever it loves. Your worth is found because God loves you, because you are the one that Jesus loves. You know, there were a hundred sheep, and one of them went missing. And that good shepherd, he left the 99, and he went to find the one. You were that one. Perhaps you are still that one. You are the one that Jesus loves. This is not a statement of pride to say, I am the one that Jesus loves. It's a statement of truth. It's not because of you, it's because of him. And Jesus didn't just shout it from the heavens. He actually came to earth and demonstrated it to us. You are the one Jesus loves. So how would that make a difference to 2023? I want to say two things this morning. Two potential differences that this could make to your entire year. I believe that if you really understand the love of Jesus for you, that it will change your identity. That you will find your identity in knowing who you are because of the value given to you by Jesus and the love of Jesus. Knowing whose you are. That uh, one John passage that I just read makes a lot more um, sense, is a lot more powerful when you understand who wrote 1 John. So Bible trivia, who wrote 1 John? Anyone? It was? John. Very good. The answer was right there, people. Um, it was John, and John had a brother, and the brother's name was James. Okay, so James and John, and they were fishermen, and they were Jesus' disciples. They also had a nickname. They were known as the Sons of Thunder, so this is what they were known as. James and John were known as the Sons of Thunder. This was a reputation or a nickname or whatever. What, is, what does that say to you about the character of these two guys? They strong. Maybe they were the guys in the anger management classes, right? That's what it says to me a little bit. Sons of Thunder actually sounds like a perfect name for a biker gang, right? The Sons of Thunder, right? <laughs> for me, that's what it sounds like. These guys had a reputation, as the sons of thunder, the ones perhaps that started the fights, maybe the ones that finished the fights. James and John, the sons of thunder. How did they earn this title? What did their weekends consist of, right? Anyway, there's a story in Luke chapter 9 where um, Jesus and his disciples are going into a new town and the people of the town don't welcome them. 
And this is the response. It says, uh, Luke 9, 54, when the disciples James and John saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them? I mean, I don't know if there was conversation before that, but they're like, what's going on here? Lord, okay, we'll sort out. We'll just call fire down from heaven, destroy them right now, the sons of thunder. And then John starts spending time with Jesus. I don't know exactly where this happened on the journey, but he starts spending time with Jesus. And every moment of every day, without earning or deserving it, he's loved by Jesus. And he walks with Jesus. And he's loved by Jesus. And somewhere along that road, John's identity changes. And I know that his identity changes and the way that he sees himself shifts because he starts to call himself something. And he writes this three times in the books that he writes. He calls himself the one Jesus loved. So he goes from being known as the sons of thunder, one of the sons of thunder, to calling himself the one Jesus loves. His identity changes. He's no longer this hothead or whatever people had called him. He no longer sees himself in any of these ways as a, as a good person or a bad person or a talented person or a, or a rejected person. His entire identity shifts and he sees himself as the one Jesus loves. That's the starting point. That's who he is. Hi, my name is John. I'm the one Jesus loves. How does your identity possibly need to shift? How could your identity change in this year? How do you need to see yourself as Jesus sees you or be known because of the love of Jesus in your life? Where does your primary identity lie right now? Maybe in a role of some sort. Maybe you are a granny or you are mom or dad or husband or wife or teacher or sister or brother. Is that where your identity lies? Maybe your identity lies in what people have labeled you as. Sons of thunder. What do people call you? Maybe that's where you find your identity. Maybe you find your identity in your achievements that I am a successful businessman. But then what if you fail? Maybe your identity lies in your failures. But then what if you succeed? Where does your identity lie? Do you see yourself as the one Jesus loves? Because although there's a lot that makes up our identity, what is the core? Where does it flow out of? I don't believe you're just that A student. So again, if you get a B, what happens to your identity? You are not just the teenager. You are not so-and-so's child, so-and-so's parent. You are not the successful businessman. You are not the person of color. You are not the addict. You are not too old or too young or too whatever. Where does your identity lie? You are the one Jesus loves. You are the one Jesus loves. And that's enough. Just put a full stop after that. Nothing more to prove, nothing to achieve. And although all that other stuff still exists, when your core identity is the one that Jesus loves, you don't have to search 
for love. You don't have to search to earn love or approval because it's already there. You are loved. You are chosen. You are accepted. What an utter joy to be the one that Jesus loves. It could change your 2023 and beyond. I believe that knowing the love of Jesus for you deeply will change your identity, but also it could give you a new goal. It could give you a new goal. So 1 John chapter 4, let me read a big chunk of this to you. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. I'm going to jump down to verse 16. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command, anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. There's so much in this, in this chapter. 1 John chapter 4, go home and have a read over it. There's just so much. There's not that much to add to it, actually. In a nutshell, he loved us first. God loved us first. He made it possible for us to love. And so we should do it. That's my abridged version, right? God loved us first. He made it possible for us to love. And we must love. We must love. And so this year... Perhaps the understanding of the deep love of Jesus for you will give you a new goal, a goal to love. Will you walk in the way of love? Will you be the one to love others? Will you be the one to show the world who Jesus is by loving the way that Jesus loves? Will you be the one? And so I want to say that you are the one, and I want to ask you, will you be the one? It's a little bit of a confusing thing. You are the one. Will you be the one? Everything starts with God's love for us. Everything. Your understanding of who you are, your understanding of why you're in the world, what your purpose is here, your understanding of your past, your present, your future, everything hinges on His love for you, on God's love for us in Christ. If we have God's love for us in Christ, it changes everything, including the way that we relate to the world, including the way that we share that love with others, 
the relationships that we have with other people. We love Him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's one of our responses. And then we love others. We want to reflect His love in the world. And so it's a fact and it's a choice. You are the one. Will you be the one? You are the one. Even if you're sitting with pain or shame or regret, it doesn't matter what. You are deeply loved by Jesus. Hear that this morning. You are deeply loved by Jesus. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, hardship, persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? No, in all these things you are more than conquerors through Him who loves you. And I pray that for 2023 you will be convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I pray that you will be convinced of that in every fiber of your being, that nothing can separate you from the love of God, that you are the one who is loved by Jesus. And then there's the choice. Will you be the one? Will you be the one, like Ephesians 5 says, to walk in the way of love, to follow God's example as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love? Will you be that this year? Will you be the one? Will you walk in the way of love? Will that be your purpose and your focus? Will that be your goal and your aim? Above the other things, doesn't matter where you work, where you go, where you live, will you walk in the way of love? You are the one. Will you be the one? It could change the rest of your year. It could shape the rest of your future. So we're going to take a little while, Ty, you can come up, we're going to take a little while to close off this morning with a bit of, of singing. Take a time to process that. Maybe you need to allow that truth to really sink down into your heart. Maybe you first experienced the love of Jesus years and years and years ago, but it feels a little bit like a distant memory. Maybe you need to ask God for that fresh revelation that you are the one that He loves and accept his love. Maybe you need to make a, a commitment this year to love like him. To say, God, I want to love like him. Fill me with your love so that I can flow it out of me into other people. But take a moment. We're going to do two songs, I think. We're going to take some time. If you would like to come forward as a response, if you'd like some prayer, please feel free to do that. You may never even have understood the love of Jesus ever. And this morning you might be saying, actually, I want to commit my life to Jesus, this one who loves me so much. If that's you, come forward. I'd love to pray with you. Let's take a moment to pray right now. Thank you, God, for your love. Thank you, God, for your love. That your love 
climb the hill of Calvary, that your love searches for us like the lost sheep. Thank you that your love gives us value that we actually can't find anywhere else. That it has nothing to do with us, it has everything to do with you, that you are a God who is love, who displays love and demonstrates love, who models love for us. Thank you that you love us and how you protect us, how you keep us, how you guide us, how you strengthen us, how you discipline us, how you correct us. You love us so deeply, God. Help us to know that in the core of our souls. May it define everything else in our lives. May it define who we are, how we live, where we go, what we do, what we say. May we be defined by the love of Jesus. We thank you for that love, God. Thank you, Lord.